let us pray before we do that. Lord, we again thank you for the opportunity to gather together on campus and online uh, to worship you, to join together as one body of faith in Christ. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in us and through us. Lord, as we enter a special time of just spending time in your word, uh, Lord, we ask uh, that the Spirit of God go before us, reveal uh, truths to us. Uh, Lord, and not only reveal truths to us, but Lord, remind us of why those truths are so important. And Lord, uh, by grace through faith, let us live in those truths each and every day. And let us not only desire to do that in our own lives, but Lord, let us desire to see others uh, do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to be in verses 41 through 48 this morning. If you're joining with us on campus and you do not have a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to look underneath the seat that you're sitting in or underneath the seat in front of you. There should be a blue Bible there. I would encourage you to take that Bible, open up to page 570. 570. Uh, We're in the middle of a series entitled His Word, My Anchor. This is our sixth message in this particular study, and we're, uh, we got a long way to go, but I pray that it's been a blessing to you already. What I find amazing about this particular chapter is not only is it 176 verses long, which is a lot, uh, not only is it broken into 22 different stanzas, uh, each stanza represented by one Hebrew letter uh, in the alphabet, Uh, And each of those verses in that stanza uh, corresponding with that same Hebrew letter in the alphabet. What I find amazing is that the longest chapter in the Bible is about the Bible, right? Isn't that amazing? That the longest chapter in God's Word is about God's Word. And that's what we've been studying all throughout uh, our series so far. And and every week we've looked at uh, an image on the screen which shows us what the language would look like in written form in Hebrew language. Uh, This particular stanza, the sixth one, is the Hebrew letter Vav, and you can see there uh, the Hebrew language is written right to left, and you can see not only does the the paragraph or the stanza begin with that Hebrew letter, but each verse in that particular stanza uh, also corresponds with that same Hebrew letter. Just the way that God has designed and desired his word to come together is amazing. The Hebrew letter Vav is illustrated uh, uh, it's, it's a conjunction word, uh, words like and or so, then or also. We're going to see a lot of that in our passage this morning. Uh, and uh, conjunction words have a way of uh, linking ideas and thoughts together, right? And so that's what we're going to see in our passage this morning. Uh, the image that would uh, be brought about by this Hebrew letter Vav, and, and in the actual uh, ancient Hebrew language, uh, it Instead of it looking straight up and down like it, you see it there on the screen, it has a little uh, slant to it. And the picture would be like a stake or a peg that's driven into the ground to, to anchor the ropes into the ground to, to hold up a tent, right? If you've ever been camping before, uh, you don't just put the poles up and things like that and turn around and walk away because when you come back, that thing's going to be collapsed, right? You, you tie ropes to the corners and you, you anchor them into the ground by using stakes into the ground. And so this picture here is a, is a stake anchored into the ground. And that is, that is important because if you're uh, camping in the desert, like uh, many of these people would, uh, those stakes would be vitally important so that when those desert winds come, that the tent would still remain, right? And that's good news for us as we relate it to our lives today, that in our lives today, like the psalmist, we're going to face trial, we're going to face suffering, we're going to face affliction, and, and what keeps us grounded, what keeps us anchored is God's word. And here you have the psalmist rattling 
one after another after another, this Hebrew letter Vav, symbolizing, uh, symbolizing a conjunction word. And, and when the storm comes, and this is going to get nailed down, and this is going to get nailed down, and this is going to get nailed down, and that's what we need in our life. We need God's word to be anchored down all throughout our life. It needs to be staked into our lives, and that's what the psalmist is going to drive home today. We see in verses 41 through 48 these words by the psalmist. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will Lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. In this particular passage, the psalmist communicates two positions to the Lord, two prayers to the Lord. We see the first one in verse 41. We see the second one in verse 43. And it's out of those two petitions, those two prayers for the Lord, that the Lord provides the stability necessary in order to endure the trials and suffering and affliction in life. The first prayer is this, Lord, fulfill your promises. Lord, fulfill your promises. We see that in verses 41 and 42. The psalmist says, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And so the psalmist here is expressing, he's in the midst of affliction, he's in the midst of suffering. We don't know exactly what it is. We know that he's being taunted. And the request is this by the psalmist. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. I love the phrase there, steadfast love. It's actually in the plural tense. That's important. It's, it's a reminder to us that the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ends, right? It's always continuous. Uh, the word there in the Hebrew would be hesed. Uh, and it, that's a very hard word to define because it's so amazing. Uh, but it would communicate covenant graces, covenant mercies. Uh, your binding, God's binding, permanent, never-ending, always piling up deep love. That's what it's talking. Always just keep going, keep going. And, and the psalmist says that it, would, that it would come to me. In other words, in the midst of my circumstances, in, in the midst of my trial, this idea of something coming to him would be that it, that it would come to my mind, that I would actually recognize it. And what is it that he desires to recognize in those moments? He wants to recognize the character of God. He says, oh Lord, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. And he says that phrase, your salvation. Now that phrase, your salvation, that word there, salvation, also speaks of deliverance. It also speaks of rescue. The psalmist says, I am weighed down. My soul is fragile and weary. And I need your rescue. I need your deliverance. And notice that it's connected to what? According to your promise. Lord, I am trusting in what you have declared over me. Man, this is a beautiful truth for us as followers of Christ. The assurance of my salvation, the assurance of my deliverance, the assurance of my rescue in life rides not on my ability, but it rides fully on the promises of God. 
This reminds me of David and the situation that he found himself in in Psalm 143. We don't know exactly if it's uh, due to the fact that his son Absalom was, was chasing him down and so he's fleeing from him. We don't know. It possibly could be uh, King Saul was after him and so uh, David is hiding in a cave. We don't know exactly the situation that Psalm 143 is communicating when David writes. But what we do know is that David is in a very desperate situation and he needs... He needs the Lord to intervene. And he says in Psalm 143, verses 7 and 8, he says, Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for for to you I lift up my soul. Do you hear the urgency in David's plea? Answer me quickly. Do not hide your face. Cause me to hear from you in the morning. Cause me to know that idea of hearing from the Lord in the morning is this reminder that sometimes when we are weighed down by the circumstances of life, it seems like the night lasts all night long, right? And he says, Lord, if you allow me to wake, at the moment my eyes open up, Lord, let me hear from you. Lord, let me be reminded of your deliverance and your rescue. And notice the response that the psalmist gives in Psalm 119, verse 42. He says, Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me. So in the midst of this mocking, in the midst of this affliction, he prays, Lord, Lord, let me recognize your covenant love towards me because it's in that moment that I will have the ability to speak. Lord, give me your words. This reminds me of what Jesus said to his disciples. You know, Jesus was a very honest man, right? The most honest person ever, perfect. And he told his disciples straight up, you're going to find yourself in great affliction, great persecution in life. And this is what he tells his disciples in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. He says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. You hear what Jesus is saying? In the moments of affliction, in the moments of those hard times, in the moments of that persecution, don't don't worry. Because the words that you need in that moment don't come from you. They come from me. I am the one who will faithfully deliver the word that you need to speak in the moment that you need it. And that's what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. He says, the reason why I bring my prayer request to you The reason why I ask you to fulfill all your promises to me is because I trust that you're going to do it. He says, for I trust in your word. Now, that word trust is an amazing word. I I love what the word trust communicates. And it's a word that's used for ancient times of wrestling, right? So the idea here is the word trust uh, is talking about throwing someone down on his face. I would use the word body slamming them, right? And that's what the word is communicating. In other words, when the trials of life come, when the circumstances are dire, what is it that's going to keep putting those trials down over and over and over again? It is the faithfulness of God's word. And what is one of the promises from God that wrestles our trials to the ground day after day after day? Because we know they well up, right? We know that they're there. We know that we're in a safe place today, but the moment we leave, those trials are just as real to us today as they were yesterday. So what keeps wrestling those trials down day after day after day? It's the steadfast love of the Lord. 
Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never runs out. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Listen, God gives us exactly what we need for the day. To every follower of Christ, God's disposition towards you has not changed. His devotion, his love, his loyalty towards you has not changed. Every morning, God has a new dose of himself for you. God is just as devoted to you today as he ever has been, and God will be always devoted to you just as much as he ever will be, right? He is devoted to you. And so the psalmist says, Lord, fulfill your promises. Where do you need God's promises fulfilled in your life today? Where do you need to be reminded of the promises that God has declared over you today? The second prayer that the psalmist brings out is, Lord, maintain my hope. Lord, maintain my hope. Verse 43, the scripture says, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. Did you hear the request? And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. Lord, in other words, regardless of how hard it gets, Lord, let, let the words of the Lord come through my mouth. Do not snatch up your words from my lips. Let it remain in me. And this is one of the great struggles and intentions that we face in this life. When we experience trial, when we experience affliction in life, we can be tempted to do what? Turn away from God's word, right? We can be tempted to turn away from God's word. We can be tempted to think that God's word has failed us. And not only are we tempted by those things, the doubters in our life, the unbelievers in our life, they will pounce on those things too. They will throw in our faces all the reasons why we should not follow the Lord, right? And it's in those moments where we need the Lord to remind us that he can be trusted. When our backs are against the wall, and they will be. When our hope in life is beginning to fade. We need to be reminded that the Lord is faithful, that our hope is maintained by him. When the prophet Isaiah speaks, or when the Lord speaks to the prophet Isaiah, he says these words in Isaiah 59. And as for me, this is my covenant with them. So we have covenantal language again. God's promise to his people, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Our hope is in the fact that God has made a covenant with his people. You and I, we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are part of God's covenant people. And he will remain faithful. And that's where our hope comes from. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. He, he prays to the Lord because why? His hope is in the Lord. The scripture says his hope is in the Lord's rules. The psalmist says, yes, I have been wounded. Yes, I have been afflicted. I have been mocked. I have been taunted. But my hope is where? My hope is anchored in the word of the Lord. And the reason why the psalmist can hope expectantly today is because God has been faithful in the past, right? And that is the beautiful truth of the gospel. And how do we know that God has been faithful? We look to the word of God. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Listen, nothing has stood the test of time like God's holy, inspired, inherent word. Nothing has been more attacked than God's word, but it still remains the same, right? Where we are surrounded by temporal things in this life, we are reminded that God's word is eternal. I love uh, in Psalm 119, verse 43, where it talks about the word hope. It's actually uh, used also for the word wait. And so the psalmist says, I I, I wait on the Lord. 
Because my hope is in the Lord, I, I wait on the Lord. Now, waiting is not easy. Right? How many of y'all can recognize that? But we have the capacity and the ability to wait on the Lord. Because why? Because he is our hope. Uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. You see all this repetitive language that the psalmist brings out, that there's so, much thing, so many things that are repeated over and over again, and that's what we need. We need to be reminded. We need to repeat in our minds over and over and over again. Our ability to wait for the Lord is rooted in our hope in him. Where do you need hope today? Are you willing to pray that prayer to the Lord? Lord, maintain my hope. And what happens from verses 44 through 48 is these amazing conjunction words, these vav letter words that just keep flowing, flowing, this anchor that that brings about when when we are praying to the Lord, Lord, uh, be faithful to your promises to me. Lord, maintain my hope. When those begin to well up inside of us and we recognize that the Lord is answering those prayers, what, what is the, the result of that? What is the fruit of that? The psalmist says that I will have endurance for my obedience. Endurance for my obedience. That's the response that he gives. The psalmist has high expectations for his life based on what? The faithfulness of God and the very fact that God will maintain his hope. Verse 44, the scripture says, I will, and there's a conjunction word right before that, so I will keep your law continually forever and ever. I mean, do you hear the psalmist's desire here in his life? He says, I want to obey the Lord at all times, in all ways, without ceasing, right? In other words, this, this life ahead of him with all of its trial, all of its affliction, all of its suffering, the psalmist says, I don't want to run out of gas. Now, you may not know, but we have a pastor on our pastoral team that has a habit of running out of gas. I will not mention his name. I'll let you figure out who it is. But over and over again in our pastoral meetings, well, how was your weekend? How was your week? And he would, I ran out of gas again. Now, to his defense, the needle in his vehicle uh, for the gas gauge is broke, so you've got to leverage that a little bit for him. Uh, but here's what amazes me. I can't think of the amount of times that he, he has rent, uh ran out of gas in his vehicle. And it's always in the craziest moments too, right? That, that doesn't make it any uh, easier. My wife and I, we had a, a minivan a few years back and we didn't even run out of gas, but the gas gauge came on. Like, all right, now you got to go get your gas, right? The little light or the little ding that goes, right? Uh, we went and got gas and the next day, guess what happened? The fuel pump burned out. I have a pastor on my team that runs that thing to the ground and has, to my knowledge, the same fuel pump in his car. That is quite amazing to me. I guess our vehicle was not built for tough, right? So now you can figure out who the the pastor is, right? But here is the psalmist. The psalmist is recognizing that in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his affliction, those tough times in life, there's a desire to remain faithful to the Lord. And what does he need? He needs endurance for the journey, right? How many of us need endurance for the journey? That's exactly what the psalmist is saying. That's what the apostle Peter reminds us to in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. He says, and after you have suffered a little while, listen to the promise. This is a gospel promise for us. The God of all grace. Man, that is an amazing phrase. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself. This is what he is doing. He will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Man, do you hear the words 
This is why the gospel is so important for us. The Lord will restore. He will mend. He will heal. He will complete. The Lord will confirm. He will cause us to stand again. The Lord will strengthen. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that resides in you today. The Lord will establish. He will provide the foundation for our lives so that we can endure to the end for his glory and in honor in Christ Jesus. How does that come? It comes from the word of God. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. In other words, keep on going. Have endurance. Be immovable. Don't compromise your faith. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is what? It is not in vain. When our hope is found in the Lord, when we trust that the Lord is forever faithful to his promises, guess we will endure to the end. We will endure to the end. Where do you need endurance in your obedience today? Where do you need endurance in your obedience today? When my life is anchored by the fulfilled promises of the Lord and the hope that he maintains in my life, I will experience endurance in my obedience. Second thing that the psalmist says is freedom in my walk. Freedom in my walk. I love this verse. Verse 45. The psalmist says, And I shall walk in the wide place. That's a great phrase. In a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. The wide place here is a place of freedom. And where there is freedom for the Christian... There is peace and there is security. And notice that the psalmist anchors his freedom where? He anchors it seeking the Lord's precepts. He wants to be preoccupied with the word of the Lord. In other words, the freedom that the psalmist experiences is based not on human wisdom. It's not based on how he feels. It's based on the word of God. And that is the same truth that we need to absorb today as followers of Christ, that our true freedom in the Lord is not based on human wisdom. It's not based on how we feel. It's based on what he has declared over us. And what has Paul said in Galatians 5 verse 1? For freedom, Christ has what? He has set us free. That is a spiritual birthright in the Lord. Stand firm, therefore. In other words, anchor your life in the freedom that Christ has for you. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, don't go back to where Christ has freed you from. Now, what are the two yokes of slavery that we go to? The two main ones are legalism and license. That is the great challenge of the human heart, right? That is the same great challenge that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. That we go back to legalism and license legalism says that that jesus christ didn't do enough for you so you got to add to it you got to keep all these different rules you got to keep all these different things going have i done enough that's the that's the the yoke of slavery here the other yoke of slavery is license and that communicates this that 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 jesus christ didn't do enough to you therefore you can keep living however you want to live listen neither one of those brings about freedom and what does the psalmist says? The psalmist says, I walk in freedom because I've sought out your truth. I've sought out your precepts. I'm living within the guidelines and the boundaries and the blessing of your word towards me. So where do you need freedom in your walk today? Where do you need freedom in your walk today? When my life is anchored by the fulfilled promises of the Lord and the hope he maintains in my life, I will experience freedom in my walk. The third thing that the psalmist says here is confidence in my speech. Confidence in my speech. All of these are fruits of the prayers that were lifted up in verse 41 and verse 43. Psalm, uh, Psalm 119 verse 46 says, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. So again, the picture here is the psalmist is in captivity, right? It, let, let's just imagine, we don't know for sure, but let's say it was David or Meshach, uh, Shadrach, and Abednego, right? They're held in captivity. And, and here they are, they're, they're marched in front of the masses, right? 
in particular, they're standing before the king, right? And, and you've got to believe in that moment that their desire is what? Lord, give us the confidence to speak what needs to be spoken. God has given the psalmist strength to speak. It's a reminder to us that we have confidence where? Not in ourselves, but we have confidence in the gospel itself. You know, one of the things we struggle with in the Christian life when it comes to sharing our faith or speaking God's word of truth is, is we lack confidence in ourselves, right? And that, that, that is not a bad place to be, by the way. But don't let that hinder you from what God is telling you to do. Why? Because our confidence in life is not built on or based on our ability to communicate well, right? That does help, don't get me wrong. But our confidence is what? In the truth of the gospel. I, I can't tell you how many times, and, and usually we're our worst critic, by the way. I can't tell you how many times, how many Sundays, I, I, I like beat myself up after worship service, and I, I should have done this, I should have said that, or this went too long, or that was too much, all these different things. And it's like a day later, somebody reaches out to me and says, thank you, thank you so much. And it's a reminder to me that it's not resting on me. That, that, that is resting on the Lord. The Lord is the one that gives us confidence to speak. Our confidence is in the gospel itself, not the one who communicates the gospel, right? Paul says in Romans 1, verses 16 through 17, For I am not ashamed. In other words, I am not losing confidence of the gospel. Why is he not losing confidence in the gospel? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. In other words, it is available to all, right? It is available to all. He says in verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. For faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In other words, the, go the gospel reveals to us a righteousness that is not our own, right? It's a, the righteousness of Christ, and it's only received how? It's received by grace through faith. We cannot achieve or secure or earn the salvation that the Lord brings to us. You know, you think about the gospel for just a minute. It's the only message that makes people right with God and sets people free right? Praise be to God for that. The gospel is, is the most important message. It is the most powerful message. And at the same time, it's the most simplest message. I don't even know if that's proper grammar, but the gospel is very, very simple, right? We are the ones who try to make it so complex. And yet the gospel is so, so simple and yet so powerful at the same time. So let us not lose confidence in the message of Christ. Peter writing to the church that is in exile in other words, they're experiencing affliction and suffering and all those things. He writes these words in 1 Peter 3, verses 13 through 15. He says, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. In other words, put him first above everything else. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. You see the qualifiers here. How are we to speak with confidence the precious words of the gospel? Gentleness and respect. Gentleness means humility. If we are bent towards arrogance when we're sharing the gospel, that, that's an issue that the scripture is teaching us. Don't let the gospel message be one of arrogance. Let it be one of tremendous humility. The scripture talks about respect. It means reverence. In other words, Lord, let my words be spoken in such a way that it in no way dishonors the one I love. Don't let it dishonor you. 
And so it requires a gentleness and a humility. And, and yet I love the fact that Peter, in just one verse, talks about suffering, he talks about blessing, and he talks about having no fear. Did you see that in verse 14? Man, that's quite amazing. In one verse, you've got suffering, you've got blessing, and you've got no fear. Only the gospel can do that, right? The gospel says that, that we, even in our suffering, are living a blessed life, right? That we should not live in fear of man. Why? Because we are partnering with Jesus in his suffering. That Jesus is our advocate. That Jesus goes before us. There is not one thing that enters into your life that not, has not already been filtered through the love of Christ. Right? And so that is our blessing. That is why we shall not be overcome with fear. Because we are suffering alongside our Savior. Where do you need confidence in your speech? Now you may not find yourself standing before the king today or the president, or some high influential person, but you are standing before your spouse, you are standing before your children, you are standing before your coworker. you are standing before your neighbor, you are standing before your friend, and the gospel needs to be spoken. The gospel needs to be shared gently and respectively. Do you have confidence today? Where does your confidence come from? It comes from the Lord. So where do you need confidence in your speech? When my life is anchored by the fulfilled promises of the Lord and the hope he maintains in my life, I will experience confidence in my speech. The fourth thing that the psalmist says is joy. Joy in my trials. Joy in my trials. Uh, verse 47 of Psalm 119, the scripture says, For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. You know, we find pleasure in many things, right? Listen, the greatest place that we need to find our pleasure in day after day is where? In the things of the Lord. And here is the psalmist. The psalmist, again, is experiencing affliction and suffering and all those different things. And yet he says, my joy is found where? It's found in the word of the Lord. That is where I have unspeakable joy. For I delight in the Lord's commandments, which I love. That's what he says. How is it that you and I can experience joy in the midst of our trials? Well, James says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is amazing verses here. The idea of counting something means to evaluate. That's an accounting term. Uh, evaluate all your trials with the lens of what? Joy. And he says that when you meet them, in other words, there's a, there's a time of unexpected trial in your life, right? How, how many of you woke up yesterday, two days ago, three days ago, and just said, I'm expecting trials today, right? No. So that idea of meeting trials is the fact that they just come up, right? And it says that various kinds, they come in different forms, they come from different sources, they're unavoidable, they're unpredictable, and yet we are to evaluate all those trials through the lens of joy. Why? Because he says, for you know. That's relational language. That's, that's not just intellectual knowledge in your head. That's heart knowledge that's connected to your Savior, right? For I know that something is happening. You see, every trial that we face today, and some of them, unfortunately, are so long and so hard that those are opportunities to be reminded that my dependency is in the Lord. My dependency is not in myself. It's not in my parents. It's not in my resources. It is solely dependent on the Lord. And so that's what the scripture says, that, that you would know experientially that you can depend on him. Speaking of trials, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, but we have, man, this is awesome, but we have this treasure in jars of clay 
So we have this amazing treasure, the gospel, Jesus Christ in our lives, and jars of clay, these fragile bodies, fragile people, right? That's who we are. He says, but you have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to who? Not to me, but to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but are not uh, forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Because of the treasure of Christ in us, we are overwhelmed, but not overcome. We are confused, but not losing hope. We are harassed by the enemy, but not abandoned. We are knocked down, but not knocked out. Man, what, what amazing beauty in the gospel, right? So where do you need joy in your trials today? When my life is anchored by the fulfilled promises of the Lord and, and the hope that he maintains in my life, I will experience joy in my trials. And then lastly, a surrender toward his ways. Surrender toward his ways. The psalmist says in uh, verse 48, and the conjunction there is uh, and, and I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Every movement of this verse, the psalmist is, uh, is expressing a movement of surrender to the Lord. He's lifting up his hands, right? He's, he's surrendering in praise to the Lord. He's, he's focusing his mind. He's meditating on all things of the Lord. And why does he do it? Do you see why he's doing it? He's not doing it begrudgingly. He's not doing it because he has to. You know, one of the things I'm trying to remind myself is I, I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. Man, what a blessing that is. And that's what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, I do all these things. I lift up my hands. I meditate on your precepts, which I love, right? That's what he says. What causes us? What motivates us to surrender all of our life and each part of our lives to the ways of the Lord? Love. That's what love does. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. He has given us new life in Christ. Where do you need to surrender to his ways today? What one area needs to be surrendered over to the Lord? Hands lifted up, minds open to what he has to say because you love him. Let the love that is found in the gospel be your motivation. When our life is anchored by the fulfilled promises of the Lord and the hope that he maintains in my life, I will surrender all my ways to him. Do you see the beauty of this psalm? Endurance, freedom, confidence, joy, surrender. Why? Because the Lord fulfills his promises and he maintains our hope. Do you see the gift of grace and mercy that is found in this passage? Do you see the beauty of what the Lord is doing in your life and through your life? So all those questions that were asked. Where do you need confidence? Where do you need endurance? Where do you need joy? Where do you need to surrender? All those areas. What answers did you provide? Maybe you didn't have any today, but I encourage you and I, I challenge you. Spend time with the Lord. You're going to have some answers there. And guess what? Oftentimes, the answers that are given to those questions, the things that the Lord brings us sensitivity to are the very things we don't want to let go of, right? Again, we're walking by faith, not by sight, in the finished work of Christ. Will you surrender to him today? Whatever that decision is today. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'd love to pray with you this morning. I'd love to celebrate new birth in your life. 
the very fact that you have been brought from death to life only because of the finished work of Christ. Let me celebrate with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're learning from this psalm in this particular passage, verses 41 through 48, that you're anchoring, you're staking in the ground the very wrong things. And you're reminded today that the only thing that's going to keep me anchored in this life in the midst of suffering, affliction, all those things, is the steady hand of God's word in my life. That he will always fulfill his promises and that he will always maintain my hope. Whatever your decision is today, let us receive the Lord. Let us sing today.